Welcome everyone to the Outcomes Rocket Pharma Podcast. This is your host, Kyle Wildner Higney. And today I have the distinct pleasure of hosting the fantastic Carly Rodriguez. Carly is Pharmacy Director of Clinical Innovation for Moda Health. In this role, she provides strategic leadership for clinical initiatives, operations, innovation, and the clinical and management of medications across pharmacy and medical benefits. Her areas of expertise include formulary management, cost savings and utilization management strategies, specialty drug management, benefit design, and medical pharmacy. She has presented to a variety of audiences on important topics in managed care, such as specialty pharmacy, medical pharmacy, gene and cell therapies, data integration, the opioid epidemic, and trend management. She resides in Oregon with her husband, five-year-old son, and twin three-year-old daughters. Welcome, Carly, to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Kyle. Well, you know, maybe just to kick things off, could you kind of share your background and what drew you to working in the pharmaceutical value chain? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think my journey into pharmacy really started pretty early when I was very young. If I think back even to my very first job, um, I worked in a retirement home. So I worked with a lot of seniors and I developed uh, pretty close personal relationships with a lot of them. And pharmacy and medication is something that came up over and over again in my conversations with seniors at that time. And at that time, I was kind of figuring out where you know, what I wanted to go to college for. And I was leaning towards biochem, chemistry. And so as I, as I moved into my undergrad studies, it just those two kind of worlds collided a little bit for me. And, and I decided to pursue pharmacy school as, as graduate education. And as I progressed, I guess, in uh, my pharmacy education, I learned pretty quickly that I wanted to go you know, somewhere that would impact medication management or, or pharmacy on a macro scale. And, and actually, I thought initially that I would end up working in the, like, the pharmaceutical industry and maybe even doing like bench science. But uh, over yep. time, I found managed care as a path. And that's kind of how I landed here. That's awesome. So it's the first experience in a retirement home that really gave you that insight and first introduction. Yeah. And interestingly, you know, here I am probably 20 years later, at least. And unfortunately, you know, not not a whole lot has changed in terms of seniors, you know, challenges and, and struggles with medication management and yeah. affordability. Yeah. And so, you know, in your job today, in, in this purview that you have, what excites you most about the work that you do? I, I think the what excites me the most about what I do is that the the opportunities or the possibilities are really endless. This particular area of pharmacy is is so fast paced and diverse, and there's really an opportunity to impact the patient experience on so many different levels. And I guess if I had to pinpoint, you know, one thing that excites me is the concept of moving beyond just the benefit, thinking yeah. about pharmacy benefits in a silo and moving more uh, more towards a holistic like medication management approach, looking at the patient or the, the consumer as a whole, rather than saying, here's a benefit and we're going to manage that benefit. Interesting. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a theme that I keep on hearing in the kind of the pharmacy space today. It's, you know, it's really looking and orienting the care around the individual, around the patient and using pharmacy in conjunction with the broader medical benefit to you know, really drive outcomes, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess the other thing that I would say that's really exciting in that, that space is 
just the opportunity to partner with other innovative organizations and, and form these kind of synergistic partnerships that lead to, you know, exciting and beneficial programs, you know, for members as well. So I think that, you know, finally in the healthcare space, we're, we're understanding that we have consumers, right? And consumers <laughs> have demands and we have to meet those demands. So I, I'd say that's been fun, that's really. Yeah. And so tell me about Moda Health and, you know, with your kind of experience there and, and caring for those members, you know, what is it that Moda does differently than other insurers out there? Yeah, Moda is a really fun and exciting and innovative company to work for. It's I've been here for just about five years now. And, you know, I think what really strikes me about Moda is just our presence in the community is that, you know, we are a health plan, we are an insurer, but we're making an impact so far beyond just provide paying a medical claim or paying mm -hmm. a pharmacy claim. Um, we have a lot of partnerships in the geography that we're present in, in, in the Northwest. And we do things really to benefit the communities that we serve. So, you know, we have a, a partnership with the Portland Trailblazers called uh, the Moda Assist Program. And uh, through that program, uh, we raise funds and then uh, partner with communities in, you know, sometimes rural, sometimes inner city neighborhoods to build all abilities playgrounds. Things like that are just, they make you proud to work for an organization that's really giving back to their community. Um, but I think, you know, more so thinking on the health plan or, or insurer side, I think that we do a lot of uh, really innovative things with providers, with other health and wellness companies, with technology companies. And really, we push the envelope in the Medicaid space is a really good example. But these partnerships that we form are really to benefit again, our communities and, and members. And so that's something that really, it makes you excited to come to work every day. Yeah, it sounds like you're really, you know, trying to support your community rather than just being, you know, quote unquote, payer of claims and really, you know, supporting the members and their health and, and kind of benefiting their lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is really about meeting patients, meeting members, where they are in their healthcare journey and acknowledging that, you know, sometimes it, the most beneficial thing that can be done to benefit somebody's health is not about getting a medication or getting a doctor's appointment. It's about food insecurity or just being able to get to an appointment, you know, things like that, that I think have been uh, long overlooked as far as barriers to accessing a, a appropriate healthcare. You know, that broad bucket of social determinants of health, um, yeah. where it has become, you know, I think there's definitely a trend going on right now where it's at the top of everyone's mind, but rightfully so. And it's it's so much more than just health factors that play into the health of an individual. That's fantastic to hear. And so maybe just kind of thinking more broadly, what excites you about where pharmacy is today? So kind of outside of the work that you're doing in Moda Health and some of the work that you're doing with AMCP, what gets you really excited for the future? Yeah, I think it's really hard not to be excited about the therapeutic advancements that are being made in pharmacy, thinking about gene therapies. That, you know, when I started pharmacy school, that's not something that was even ever on my radar. And, you know, while they come with 
extraordinary price tags, you can't help but be excited about the science and the potential that these could cure really debilitating and sometimes fatal conditions. I think that's something that's certainly exciting, thinking about the emergence of digital therapeutics. I think we've sort of been Mm -hmm. conditioned as a society to say, oh, I have a a chronic condition or I have an illness and there's a medication that's going to treat that or a medication that can be paired with that. And digital therapeutics are, are more so about thinking about behavior modification and, you know, other active measures that can be taken to combat the downstream effects of chronic or acute conditions beyond the concept of taking a pill. Um, And I think that's really, really exciting. I think the other thing I I would say is that we're starting to to move along this pay-for-performance continuum and starting to integrate pharmacy into some of those value-based care arrangement discussions, whereas pharmacy has you know, almost always been a fee-for-service kind of transaction. And now we're starting to move towards more of the, the pay-for-performance, seeing providers taking risk in pharmacy costs and trends. And I, I think that's a really exciting place to be. How do you think, from the health plan perspective, the plan needs to adjust for these pay-for-performance contracts? I mean, are there, there are considerable adjustments that they have to make in order to support them? Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, I think when we think about pay for performance, I mean, there's so many different things that you can think about here, right? You can think about outcomes-based contracts with manufacturers of pharmaceuticals or biotechnologies. Uh, So that's one area you could think about. You can also think about provider-based value agreements or performance-based agreements where you're potentially looking at per member per month caps on pharmacy spend, or you're looking at reference-based pricing within therapeutic categories and benchmarking prescribers against those. So there's a lot of different things you can think about in the pay-for-performance continuum. And And I think the biggest change or challenge potentially for payers is the data aspect, right? If you're looking at outcomes, you have to be able to collect and aggregate and report Uh, the data that's associated with those outcomes. And I think historically, some of that clinical data has been really difficult for payers to get their hands on. Sure. I mean, so much of where healthcare is today, and I know this is a broad generalization, but it hinges upon having better data, right? And data that connects across uh, these disparate systems. And, you know, I imagine that as we move towards pay for performance contracts, gene therapies, digital therapeutics, understanding the value that it provides the the member and the patient is going to be critical to, you know, really control costs and say, is this a good solution for the member? Yeah, I think you've absolutely hit it on the head there. I think, you know, especially as I think about gene therapies or digital therapeutics, how exciting those are, you know, of course, employer groups, payers are all going to be concerned with the return on investment, right? Particularly with gene therapies, because some of them we've seen have two plus million dollar price tags. And so you have to be able to answer the question as an employer group or as as a payer at any level, you have to be able to answer the question, what am I getting for that investment? And the truth is the answer right now is, I don't know. And it it probably is, I don't know, for a long time until you see how 
that particular therapy plays out in an individual, or we start to get some broader real world data. But, you know, the other challenge with that is that uh, the gene therapies, at least that are approved today are approved for rare or ultra rare conditions. And so aggregating data and getting any amount of robust real world data is, is a challenge in itself. But, you know, we know that there's gene therapies on the horizon for more uh, common conditions like hemophilia. And so, you know, we may start to see some of that data there, but we do have to answer the question, what are we getting for that investment? Yeah. And it sounds like that's going to be something that Moda Health, if you kind of scale back to your current role, is going to be, you know, developing partnerships with the community and with providers and, and other innovative companies to really better understand that and get the complete picture. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so important with gene therapies is thinking about, again, the ones that are approved now for rare and ultra rare conditions is even in the studies or the clinical trials for these therapies, you know, there's only a handful of treatment centers in the whole country that even have experience with these therapies and treating this population, these populations. And so it is about identifying those those important provider partnerships where you can be assured of the quality of care, but you also have, you know, better access to data and to understand how the therapies are performing. Sure. And so, you know, currently, when you think about today, what are the biggest challenges that you think the industry is facing right now? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge, and it's sadly, it's not a new challenge, is really this balance between innovation and affordability, right? We constantly hear about escalating drug costs and medications not being affordable. And gene therapy, again, adds a whole different dimension to that that challenge with these, you know, the price tags that we've just never seen before. And, And so it's really, how do you find the balance between those escalating drug costs that you know, are for innovative therapies, but but managing the affordability aspect because you know the reality is those innovations can only be useful if people can access them, and they have to be affordable for people to access yeah. them. So it, it's really striking that balance. I think as I think about some other challenge beyond challenges beyond that, which is kind of the obvious, is is this you know a, a newfound demand for transparency in our industry, and I think that's a good thing. That there's a demand for transparency, but the industry as a whole is maybe being too slow to respond to that demand for transparency. And so it's leading to legislation, you know, in all 50 states, which about controlling drug costs or potentially influencing utilization management tools that payers have at their fingertips. And so that could possibly lead to fragmented regulation and sadly even increased cost because of removing some of those utilization management tools that we have available today, but also, you know, the administrative cost of uh, fragmented, of fragmented regulations. And then I guess the other, the last thing I would say about challenges, which I think is also a good thing, is the need to, you know, meet each individual consumer where they are. It's a a great thing, right? Healthcare should be personalized, but it's a heavy resource investment. And so if we think about communicating to consumers how they want to be communicated to or providing them information in a timely manner and in the way they want it provided to them, 
for delivering services in a, a more convenient way, like virtual health or home health, mail order, delivery services, those kinds of things. All of those things are great. And it, it's just a matter of, of the you know, logistics and the resources to, to get there. But, you know, I'd say those are kind of the three things, the three biggest challenges that I see facing the industry right now. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's a lot of investment in this space too. It's it's promising, um, but it will also take some time for these solutions to scale, right? And to really start making a broader impact on the yeah. members of, of the U.S. Uh, yeah, It's exciting though. You know, just to maybe close things out, uh, could you give us a closing thought and the best place that listeners can collaborate with you? Yeah, sure. You know, I, I think that hopefully a, a theme that you've seen throughout our conversation uh, today really is around the consumer, right? The member, the patient, meeting them where they are and delivering innovations that they need and can use. And, and so I guess from a, a closing thought perspective, I would just say that, you know, innovations in pharmacy and in healthcare more broadly are, are only as good as their uptake. So the approach to any new innovation, whether it's programs, services, technologies, they have to be patient or consumer centric, and they have to provide a tangible benefit to those stakeholders in order to influence behavior. And uh, as far as a place to collaborate with me, I think LinkedIn is a, a great spot for me to collaborate and I welcome any uh, outreach to further the discussion. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much, Carly, for joining me today. It was a great conversation. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You too.